when I saw the thermometer indicate 15 degrees yesterday morning, I just knew that most of our fall veg was going to bite it. But uh, just couldn't believe how well it got through the freeze yesterday. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. And welcome to our podcast of December 15th, 2010. And it's my mother's 86th birthday. Happy so I birthday, wanna, Mama. I want to say happy birthday, Norma Jean. Um, hope you're having a good one. I'll actually be seeing you before too long. Uh, but anyway, uh, yes, you are so right that we have enjoyed our fall veg, but we worried about those babies when we heard that the when we read that the temperature was going down so low. Um, but you know, most of it survived. It's a we miracle. We sort of knew the Brussels sprouts and the collards would be okay because everything we had been in reading indicated that they were the cold weather champs. Right. But I basically figured the cabbage was done for. But we've got red cabbage, we've got common cabbage, we've got savoy cabbage, and all three of them seem to have come through a 15-degree freeze yeah, yeah. just fine. I mean, you know, some of the plants show more damage than others, but uh, yeah, I, I'm very hopeful. Now, the, we should say the broccoli has come and gone. We've had broccoli. Broccoli was done before and is done now. Yeah, yeah. so that we weren't worried about. And we did have some some problems with um, our lettuce. I mean, but some of the lettuce actually survived. It's interesting. You picked some lettuce and realized that it was bitter, and you made me taste it, and I agree with you. It was bitter. Right, um, and, you know, that is that is something I thought came with the bolting. Remember, we had some yeah. lettuce this summer that bolted, and, and it didn't taste right. But that's or, not the problem no, now. No, no, no. In fact, they these were plants that came from a reputable nursery. There's nothing wrong with them. But they were planted le plant lettuce. I didn't; those didn't grow from seed, and um, I planted them later than usual because the lettuce that I planted early, on time, uh, did bolt and went to seed, and I had to pull it up. Right. So this later lettuce, I don't know whether it just never got started soon enough. Uh, something about my lettuce is doomed. Uh, but it was there was some red lettuce as well as some romaine that had yeah. that bitter taste. But let's not get hung up on that. Let's let's celebrate the wondrousness of fall veg. Boy, has it been terrific to Oh, it has. We were able to serve collards to 13 people the other night when And they spaghetti came squash. To, and we served spaghetti squash and that was a summer, summer crop, crop, but, but it was kind of nice. But it was great to be able to serve a large group of uh, folks from our own garden and still have plenty for you and me to eat. That's so, right. That's, uh, that's the whole idea of this subsistence farming. So and we tasted it just our, feels terrific. We tasted our first Brussels sprouts the other night. And they the were delicious. Really nice. We yeah. approve of Brussels sprouts. Yeah. And we've got this row cover that is due in later next week. So now the question is, do we need a frost blanket? You know, if we can come through yeah. 15 degrees, okay, what is it we need a frost blanket well, for? I, I'm waiting to see if we really came through it completely okay, as you put it. But um, last year it actually went down to 12 degrees. And I don't really want to put my row to the test, my row of veg to the test. I think if we get another prediction of 
hard freeze, I'm inclined, since we'll have it, to try it and see if it makes a difference. Well, I think I have the same inclination you do. And once we have it in hand, we probably ought to try it on at least part of the veg. And I hope we can figure out a way to have some of it that we don't put the frost blanket on just so we can see. Right, so we'll know how it goes. That's but, right. Uh, that, but the bottom line is uh, terrific performance of our fall veg coming through a hard, hard freeze. Mm-hmm. That's right. And obviously, those of you who are listening from climates where you routinely get it going down below zero, you're laughing when we say a hard, hard freeze. But for central Alabama, in December, 15 degrees is pretty cold. Right. And our choice of plants, our choice of where to plant, how to plant, is all based on information for central Alabama. We're not attempting to plant the type of plants or the, you know, the the timing our timing of planting is not what you would use at a in a calendar for vermont or something so you know we central alabama it's all intended to work here and that's why you just need to keep that in mind if you're listening from someplace that's really different Um, i was delighted to see how quickly we were able to get four crepe myrtles into the ground last week Um, i called it routine and i guess i will continue to claim that we we decided, seems to me it was like 3.45 in the afternoon, and this time of year here in Alabama, it gets dark by about 4.30. It's really, yeah, it's beginning to get dark. Yeah, for five by 5 for sure. Right. So we started about 3.45, uh, drilled four holes for the crepe myrtles, expanded them, put the crepe myrtles in, watered them, mulched them, and it finished up everything that afternoon. Now, I will confess, you finished up more or less in the dark. Yeah, that's right. But we did get finished. But that we got day. finished. We got it done and watered and everything. So, you know, we, we'll see if we can't, uh, if, it, if that's not an indication that we're much more efficient, uh, especially when we get around to doing our fruit trees, exactly. putting those in. Yeah, we, we've got a little bit more of a routine, as you said, of um, how to use the auger to do, dig, dig the large enough hole. For the plants. And quickly expand that hole to accommodate the larger pot size mm-hmm. and quickly get the right soil in there, get the mulch in it, move on to the next one. We're, we're getting it down to a system, yeah. which is good. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, while you're talking about short days and cold weather, um, we haven't really talked too much since we did some final winterizing of the uh, microclimate bed, which is where I had the lantana. Lantana was the notable plant that had to be cut back because it was everywhere this summer. And I think there's a post on the site about the microclimate bed and about how it worked inhibiting frost and so forth, and I'll try to include a link to that on the show notes page. But suffice it to say, we had reached the point where the lantana was done and needed to come Exactly. Out. And, and I learned in my Master Gardener class about not cutting. You can cut the lantana back, but do not cut the stems too short because they're hollow stems and the plant can freeze and die over the winter. So I left a good, you know, 8 to 12 inches on each plant. Yes. And uh, so they don't, you don't go out there now and say, oh, that looks like a perfectly... Uh, groomed little bed, but it looks a lot neater because I don't have crazy dead lantana branches everywhere. I have a little bit more of a straw-like appearance around each plant. And 
there's a little bit more room to breathe from for the row of knockout roses that I have out there. And your knockouts, I, I guess they've slowed down now. They've but, slowed uh, down, yeah. Uh, they were much slower than everything else to uh, stop growing, which I think is partially traceable to the fact that they are microclimate. They are right mm-hmm. there uh, against the south wall of the barn and... They were green long after everybody else's knockout roses had uh, wilted and gone home for the winter. But um, I think even they now have decided it's time to go to bed, and we're sort of welcoming yes. that. They need to go to bed for the they winter. They need to be dormant for a while, and I think they are. <laughs> now, you and I have a task we need to complete out there in the microclimate bed. We have uh, a header run to the microclimate bed to accept drip tape, and we just need to go ahead and install that drip yeah. tape now that we have some, now we can get to the soil. We can get to it. And I'm kind of waiting for... Uh, the below freezing temperatures to calm down a bit so that it's somewhat pleasant to work out there. You are. Hmm. I don't think we can wait on that. I think we're going to have to move well, before it warms then up. Then we'll wait for Christmas to be over. And maybe we'll wait for a warm day in yeah. the winter. Well, that's what I meant. I didn't okay. mean to wait till spring. Now, I'm okay. saying we'll wait till it's not uh, just brutally cold or windy. We had uh, just an incredibly windy day the other day. Ooh, Sunday. That was the really rugged day. Yeah. Saturday and Sunday both, I guess, were rough. But Sunday in particular, it was just uh, very cold and very, very windy. Just not pleasant at it all. It was to clear. Be it looked pretty outside, but looks can be deceiving. Yeah. <laughs> and they were. Not pleasant yeah. at all. Although, didn't we come back here and take a walk? Well, that was Sunday, and it was cloudy that day. But you're right. We were able to... Um, to bundle up and yeah. find a, a low spot on the property yeah, where we, the wind wasn't We quite discovered so bad. that if we can get a little lower here where we live in the barn, intentionally we chose a somewhat high location for our home and for Veg Hill. But it doesn't take long to get down lower on our property so that you are somewhat shielded from the wind. And it was gratifying to realize how fast we can get down below the wind. That's right. We did, too. And, and it is good that we're taking our walks again. That's one thing that seems to be a byproduct of wintertime. I'm too busy planting vegetables and tending That's to them in right. the summer. That's right. The farmer-in-chief, you got to work hard to get her away from Veg Hill in the summertime. But, but it, now, has, it has been nice to yeah. be able to take those constitutionals together. It really is. And there is something wonderful about Longleaf Breeze. It is a pretty place. So, um, Yeah, even though I do walk around and see tasks every time I walk, uh, every time well, I go out. Well, that you do. But, but it is, and I've been able to appreciate it. I think well, that's embedded your, in your DNA. You're is. going to find tasks yeah, wherever you go. That's unfortunate, too. Yeah. Well, I think we should talk a little bit about, since we've referred so much to our Master Gardener classes, uh, the fact that. Now, our actual coursework, except for one makeup class that we have right. to do in the spring, because we missed a day, everything's over except for a few volunteer hours. And actually, those volunteer hours are, um, aside from any that we just want to do, um, are all have to be on the call-in helpline. Um, and that we are not doing until the summer. So... We don't know what to do with ourselves on Thursday mornings <laughs> at 8 o'clock a.m. No more of that 8 o'clock traffic going from Tallahassee over to Wetumpka, which is welcome. <clears throat> and we got our Thursday mornings back. I've already set a session on Thursday morning. That felt good to be able to do that. Good. But, yeah, it's uh, we've talked about how wonderful we have found the classes to be and how helpful, and uh, and we will miss them. 
But um, And we've enjoyed getting to know the people. And uh, hopefully many of them I think we'll be staying in touch with because we've developed some friendships outside the class and some uh, in common interests with people that we've discovered. So uh, we went to the holiday party that one of them had the other day. And, and that was fun <clears throat> to see Tom and Sue, his wife, and have a nice visit with them. And um, we are due to graduate in August of next year, August of 2011. Uh, we have basically finished all of the requirements for ours, except for that class and the helpline service, uh, which we know we will complete. So right. we will be graduating in August of 2011, and we'll then be able to call ourselves Master Gardeners. Right now, we are just interns. Until August, that's right. And the reason for the delay, in case someone is listening and they're interested in wondering, well, why do you wait till August? Because everyone has to get in 40 hours of volunteer service in addition to the 10 hours on the helpline. And um, this gives everyone a, an opportunity, time to get this done. A lot of people work eight to five or, you know, have jobs. Well, they wouldn't be working eight to five on Thursday because they wouldn't be in class. But they, they often have jobs that keep them from completing their hours before summer. And also the helpline really doesn't even open up until March. Right. So we, none of us uh, interns can start, volunteering for that until March and you only use two people per week so you know it gets you have to have the logistical opportunity for all these people to get their hours in. so you have to have time for people to complete those hours mm -hmm. and that's why the graduation gets delayed until August we're bushy-tailed and we have already completed our service commitment um, that doesn't mean we won't be helping out more no we, I, I do sure want to go will, back to the learning gardens that's yeah, one of my will, favorite we will have lots more service between now and then but we we've completed enough to graduate and for the you know the rest of it is just gravy I guess yeah but we hope eventually and maybe what we have to wait two years for this yeah to look into becoming advanced master gardeners. So we'll find out. And we are <clears throat> targeting, you know, our, our hope, our vision, our uh, fantasy is <clears throat> that we would be able to become advanced master gardeners in uh, organic uh, fruit and vegetable production. That's right. sort of our, That's uh, our intended focus. Mm -hmm. But the possible wrinkle in that is that we master gardeners need to share information that's been produced under the auspices of a university and there is relatively little horticultural research going on with organic methodology. There's some, but there's yeah. relatively little. So that's a, a challenge that you and I will struggle with as we put this all together. Right. That's right. Well, I'm going to sign off because I have to go check on our homemade blueberry muffins that are cooking. But I would like for you as you leave to, to talk a little bit about uh, your preparation to do some deer hunting and what you and, uh, you know, what you shopped for, what you... With Fred Ratton. With Fred Ratton, yeah. Okay. And, and what you I'll brought be, home and then where you are preparing your site. I will be glad to do that. And thank you for taking time out of your busy cooking morning to help with the podcast. We... Um, are shopping for a tree stand. What I have learned is that when you get ready to hunt for deer, there is so much benefit to getting up above the ground. One, you can see better. Two, you can, you're less likely to be heard. And probably most important, you are less likely to be smelled.
by the deer. By the time your human smell gets down to where the deer are, if you're up in a tree, that smell has become well dissipated, so you have more opportunity to sit and wait for the deer to come to you without scaring them off with your smell. Also learned parenthetically that human urine is not that repulsive to deer. I had been you know, bending over backwards to avoid peeing where I was going to be uh, hunting for deer, but I'm going to quit worrying about that now because the research indicates that deer don't really worry much about human urine. It's more our perspiration and, and our uh, other things they have. Oh, hair. You th- you th- I'm, Amanda's gesturing to me that it's our hair. You th- that's one thing she says that uh, deer do react to. So, uh, I also have seeded a little plot with ryegrass. Love, I would love to have seeded it with some brassicas uh, because the deer are more drawn to them. And next year, I will be more diligent about getting them in the ground sooner. But here I've found myself in mid-December needing to plant something that might be helpful. And that something, when you're this late in the season, had to be ryegrass. So that's what I planted. Um, So that's finishing up the thought on deer hunting that Amanda asked about. And that uh, pretty much takes us out of time. So you have a great week, and we will look forward to visiting with you again soon. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.